It's time to get in the zone. The Fantasy Football Zone. Hey guys, where else would you rather be? Get involved with the show by following us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. This is the Fantasy Football Zone. And welcome back into the Fantasy Football Zone. It's PJ, and once again, we have Joe Bartle from rotowire.com. How are you doing this week? Well, I am out of every playoff that I had made it through. Again, I was in 13 leagues this past week, so all five big old L's hanging for me. So I'm disappointed uh, mm-hmm. and hoping to move on and help some other people actually win some money. All right. I'm in one, and I have a big asterisk in another, and this is why. So... And this is a PSA for you out there as well. We were a 12-man league in uh, one of my teams. So 12-team league we had. Two guys decided they didn't show up at the draft, and you know they didn't contact anyone the day of. So then, well, we had to make the decision. We're, we're going to be a 10-team league, and we'll have four playoff spots. I finished with an 8-6 and six record. I finished in fifth place. In the years past, that would have gotten me in. Fine, we took six spots because it was 12-man. Well, because we were a 10-man league, I finished out of the final playoff spot with an 8-6 and six record by 13 points. So this PSA is, if you're not going to show up to the draft and not commit, just tell somebody ahead of time so we can get somebody's, get your spot taken, all right? So if they would have they would have come to the draft, or I'm sorry, well, if, if they wouldn't have come to the draft if you had known sooner, would you have stuck with six, play, six playoff spots for 10 teams? We no, we would have we would have probably done the four, but we would have had time to find two replacements because we had we had other people that we know friends too that could have came in and taken those spots. So my thing is, okay, if if you know maybe you've had it with this league, you have no luck in it. Please give your league heads up going into the draft that you're not going to be there. Don't do the oh I'm I'm not returning phone calls bit and all that stuff. Because we had that. Give them a heads up that you're not joining. Maybe, you know, 30 days on out would be nice. So then rules like this don't affect people like me, and I, I don't get mad about it. Yeah, it's just a common courtesy thing. I, I feel like common courtesy becomes very apparent that some people lack it in fantasy football. I'm sure there's other walks of life, but this, <laughs> is, my, you know, this is my job and occupation, and I deal with it on a daily basis. The, the so many instances where common courtesy is lacking of people, it's like, oh, come on. Like, it, it just... Yeah, this this feels like one of those instances. I'm going to one up you though. Yes. Maybe not so much on my my bad luck, but I'm actually in a, a, a friends really the friends only league that mm-hmm. uh, we have a, a few family members in it, and it's also ten teams as well. We've been doing this now as a dynasty league for the last eight seasons, and we actually had two people with five hundred plus or five hundred over records. Somebody with eight and five, another person seven and six miss the playoffs wow. this year as well. So, I mean, like, it, you're not the only one that had a, a pretty solid record but was unable to make it. And you know what? Good for your league that not rewarding you <laughs> who has uh, the lower point totals in getting a playoff spot. Kudos to the rest of your league mates <laughs> for not allowing that to happen. I hate when that when that. Now, now my <laughs> defense, I was scoring higher the last three weeks. But, yeah, in the, yeah, in well, the early part. Weeks now, come on. <laughs> I would, they were starting. My team was getting the hint. We got to start scoring points. But, uh, yeah, a little too late. So, yes. And, again, that's the other thing, too, of looking. If you're looking to change things for your league next year, even though I was a benefactor of the overall record, and obviously in the end it didn't help me out, but, yeah, the points meaning something, maybe giving an extra point or, or win or something like that, definitely that's something you might want to look into for your leagues. 
I say all this, the number two seed in that league that I just mentioned ended up being like the fifth highest score or sixth highest score. He, there was, he was not very good in terms of the points total. So, I, you know, I, I should really practice what I preach. But at least in, in that regard, you weren't rewarded by a yes. gimme playoff spot that you shouldn't have earned to begin with now. Come on. Come on. <laughs> there's nothing like a 98-96 win every week. I mean, that's fantastic. <laughs> Well, as somebody that never gets that luck, I'm fine that you didn't get rewarded for yeah, it. I'll say it that way. <laughs> so for everyone that's still in it here, I mean, another major factor we got to face again is injuries. And I, I, you know, I saw the Mike Evans touchdown. Everyone was happy. Big play, huge game. Mike Evans touchdown. And, oh, he's hobbling into the end zone. And I could see, I, I could maybe even hear some fantasy owners going, uh, there goes uh, one of my big guns down the stretch here. Uh, this is going to hurt some people. Yeah, I'll take this as my opportunity to vent a little bit. That same league where the, the person was number two seed and, and lower point totals. I, this is a dynasty league. I've, I've been doing fantasy football for a number of years. So I've built up a pretty good accumulation of team, like a team. Like David Johnson has been able to be on my bench this entire year. I've yes. survived that. I've been able to have the luxury of flipping out Saquon Barkley on my bunch of, bench every once in a while. I'm very clearly one of the top overall rosters from top to However, the past three seasons, I've had the number one seed, either 11-2, 10-3, 12-1, great regular season record. The playoffs, the championship playoffs, is a two-week event. But the one week, the one round to get to the championship, is the one I always lose in. And of course, yet again, for the third consecutive season, the best roster of all time, or whatever everyone yes. in my league thinks is so good, loses because the person that I played, the number four seed, had the highest score. And in those weeks, in every single week these past three years, in this 14th week, 14th championship round, or leading to it, I have a critical player get injured. So it's like money. It's, it's guaranteed. I should let everybody know. This is my team, and one of the ten people will get hurt. This, of course, <laughs> is Mike Evans, yeah. and he ended up costing me. You know, you know, I only lost by eight points. That's how it goes every single year. You have a critical injury in this league, and I have somebody that loses uh, valuable time and ends up losing by a little bit of So there's my rant. I get out of the way now so I can hopefully not bring it back up. I guarantee you I won't, but it's still on my mind despite being three days past now. Yeah, Mike Evans, it was a critical injury, but Devontae Parker, who was a huge catalyst for a lot of people, leaving pretty early on with a concussion, Elshon Jeffrey, who I didn't have my fantasy lineups, but I might have had some other financial ramifications. Of course, he left in the first quarter and what would have been a pretty good matchup with all the receivers the Eagles left or were missing yeah. too. And you know, it's going to be it's going to be tough for the four or six people that are left still fighting the playoffs to figure out what to do because I would imagine just about everybody was affected by one injury or another this past week. Exactly. I mean, you have that. You know, T.Y. Hilton. Now they say he's out for the rest of the year for the Colts and and all. I mean, yeah, big injuries starting to happen. While while we're on the Bucks, so I got to touch on this. Jameis Winston going for the triple crown this year. Uh, this, <laughs> Brett Favre, that's what we yeah, got, right? Yeah, this is amazing where he could lead the league in passing yards, touchdowns. He's got interceptions locked up. No one's catching that. So, I mean, <laughs> I you lose the fact that, you know, if you can take those negative points because you're going to get him with those interceptions, he's actually having a decent fantasy year. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it goes back to the Bruce Arian system. While it's been absolutely doo-doo for my Ronald Jones shares, it's really been a benefit to the receiving core, whether it be Brashard Perryman, who's now, I think, um, we talked about on the Tuesday podcast, I like A.J. Brown more as a top pickup this week, but Perryman for the receivers could also fit to that category, or Zach Pascal, mm-hmm. if he's not already available. 
And I think that, I mean, I had to look up who the third string receiver is, but Justin Watson, like that's a name that you never would have heard of before. Maybe you would have thought it was Deshaun Watson's younger brother, but here yeah. he becomes a guy that at least in 14 or 16 team leagues, you could make a case that he's a relevant option. And this goes back to the sheer passing amount that is happening with Jameis Winston right now. Oh, and by the way, he's playing with a broken thumb. Like it's kind of incredible to think about that he's doing all his production and also has a broken thumb that he's dealing with too. So yeah, kudos to uh, Winston for pulling up the Brett Favre. Yes. Uh, we'll see if he can do that for six or seven consecutive years because that gets you in the Hall of Fame and is a more credible Hall of Famer than Eli Manning. Sorry, all you <laughs> Eli Manning truthers out there that might be listening. But Darius Slayton had a good first half. Yeah, only first <laughs> half, right? Five catches, 154 yards, two touchdowns. And it was one of those things. I have been touting the Eagles defense now for quite a while. Of course, they let me down drastically uh, on the Dolphins last week. I don't know what the final total was, but I would have thought in the rain against Eli Manning, you would do better than you know allowing Darius Slayton to break off two touchdowns. But the more I thought about it, and the more I watched that game, and I needed Carson once to get 36.5 points, uh, so I, I was I was vengefully watching it, very frustratingly yes. watching that contest. It felt like that was actually perfect weather for Eli Manning. Like he mm-hmm. he's not going to be very accurate if you're playing on perfect conditions. He's a below average quarterback. But what happens if the conditions bring everybody else down? Well, now you're at Eli Manning's level. That's where he thrives. That's where he does great. And I think you saw with that Darius Slant, uh, Darius Slayton first touchdown off a slant where Ronald Darby was playing off coverage. That. Even in bad conditions, good players, and I think Slayton's a good player, not so much Eli Manning, can really take advantage. But he had enough throws where if you were desperate, and I don't know how desperate you would need to be at the quarterback position to consider starting Eli, but if you were desperate, I don't feel like it's the worst play in the world. I think guys like Tannehill or RG3, if he comes in for Lamar Jackson, which I doubt is going to happen, and a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick are all better options. But at least you could say Eli Manning is not the worst fantasy quarterback this week if you have to go that direction in a 2QB format. I w- I'm in a, uh, I had to uh, pick up a quarterback this week, and Jimmy Garoppolo was still out there, so I did pick him up. I know he had the big game against the Saints, and he's been doing you know good, but I know the Niners, if they get in a the game, they really want to control it running. I, 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 and with the playoffs here, it's like I, Kyler Murray, I've, I've lost trust in the last couple weeks, even though he's done good for my team for the most part. But uh, ever since the bye week, not putting up the big points. So I, I went out to get Garoppolo. I'm just still a little hesitant that, yeah, the, it was great to see what he did against the Saints, but I don't know if you know if, if these games coming down the stretch, if he's going to replicate that. Well, have some faith because the Falcons' defense that they play this week have allowed at least 27 points to the fantasy quarterback position in the last three consecutive weeks. Panthers, Saints, Buccaneers. Of course, the Saints have been pretty good. No, Jameis Winston, we just talked about him. But Kyle Allen and the Panthers were still able to do pretty effectively. I mean, it, it was aided by a rushing touchdown. And, in fact, we also had a rushing touchdown in the Saints game. I don't know how much Taysom Hill production is added into that. That's mm-hmm. kind of where the defense versus positioning tool we have in order where it can sometimes be a little less impactful. But, I mean, again, this is the Falcons' defense that for, I guess, 75% of the season thus far has been dreadful. I think you have to go with Jimmy Garoppolo, and maybe he throws a screen pass to Coleman or Brita or, or yeah. Mostert, and you get an additional 50 yards and a touchdown. I mean, that, that's where the influence of the offense can be. Garoppolo doesn't have to be amazing. and By no means, I think he is a top-10 real-life quarterback. But this week in fantasy, I think he probably could be against the Falcons. And, and you brought up a good point with those running backs. I know they always want to get him involved. That's He had big touchdowns last week with Mozart, with the other backs as well. So, I mean, that... 
that did help his production and the value. So, I mean, when I saw Falcons defense, I'm like, that's got to be good. But then sometimes, you know, I go back and think, well, if they get up, they're going to run the ball, and then he's only going to have like two touchdowns, and there goes the points. Yeah, we have him actually ranked number nine and Kyler Murray number 10. So it goes back to your point that you probably can't do bad with either choice. I think uh, the floor that Murray gives you with the rushing totals is fine enough. And against the Browns, again, I I think there'll be room to scramble. I've been a little bit disappointed with their receiving core. I I was not in on the Cliff Kingsbury offense, and I I wasn't really all in on Kyler Murray as a, a, Mm. a prospect overall. But I felt good enough with the receiving core they had, Christian Kirk in particular. I liked Andy Isabella, who they really have not gotten involved very much this year. Maybe it's just the Madden player in me who was really excited about all those fast guys, Demir Bird, uh, also being there, Keyshawn Johnson as well, too. And it just hasn't, it hasn't surfaced like I thought the athleticism that the Cardinals would have. They have a distinct advantage in terms of athleticism at receiver across, you know, four or five deep. And we just really haven't seen that occur. So it's been, it's been difficult. But against the Browns, I think Murray will be fine enough. I would go with Garoppolo, but I don't think you could make a bad choice out of that kind of combo. All right, i got to talk about the Jets, I guess, because uh, Le'Veon Bell, he's saying uh, some of his touches are getting maybe a little uh, taken away a little bit from Adam Gase. And you know what? I think I have to believe him here because we heard all the rumors, too, before that Gase didn't even want to sign him. So if you have Le'Veon Bell, do you even put him in the lineup with these final weeks here, knowing that you got to win and a head coach that – even though the players saying it, there there seems to be a little paper trail that might be a little evidence out there of it. Yeah, I, I think Adam Gase is actually bailed out by how many other bad coaches there have been yeah. in the NFL this year. But he, in my opinion, was one of the worst last year. I have I have no idea, no idea how Adam Gase got a head coach job after his stint with the Dolphins. Like, was there any point during those three or four years where you're like, oh yes, this is a top 20 coach in the NFL? No. no. And, and certainly by the end of his, his tenure with Miami, it was very clear that he just was not a capable capable guy at the head coach position. And and we've kind of seen now uh, with the talent that I, I think he has with the Jets, and obviously Robbie Anderson has kind of taken over these last two weeks, but Crowder was a talent before. I get it. They've had some bad luck, particularly the mono for uh, Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. But you should be able to use Le'Veon Bell more effectively than he's been this season, and it's just it's just been a weird thing. Kenny Drake too, like we saw him explode with the Cardinals as soon as he moved over there. Yeah, Drake was in that same system of Adam Gase for two seasons and did nothing of relevance, or at least enough where you could be disappointed as a fantasy owner when he drafted him higher than he should have been going. I, you know, I've I've been pretty critical of Gase, and I feel confident saying this week, this match against the Ravens on a Thursday night game. Blue or not, I don't know if you want to start Le'Veon Bell. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I imagine people who have Le'Veon Bell don't have any other options. Like you can look at maybe a Mostert who's available, and I would start Mostert over Le'Veon Bell this week, certainly. But uh, unless it's maybe a DeAndre Washington, who if you own Josh Jacobs, you'd probably win the playoffs and you'd probably pick him up as a result. I don't think he's available at, to, be, to be acquired. So you're probably having to roll the dice with Le'Veon Bell and hope that he gets you eight to ten points in a PPR format because that's about all I'm thinking uh, ceiling-wise you're going to do. Well, we'll get to the Packers now. Big game against uh, Washington for Aaron Jones. We we predicted it, right? I mean, uh, we talked about him the week before and how it was mystifying his usage. And, well, they, they started to use him uh, against Washington, and he had a big game against them, and uh, it factored in the victory. Yeah, and nobody else did anything. No. Uh, no. Right? No. I mean, it was, it exactly. was just Aaron Jones. 
And this is the frustrating thing with the Packers' offense. Like, you would imagine they're going against Mitch Trubisky. I know he's doing well this these past couple weeks, but this should be a game the Packers could win. But yet I sit here as a Packers fan, and I'm terrified. I am absolutely terrified of this game. Of course, it means something of relevance, their playoff chances, uh, and I just am worried. The total over-under is 40.5 points, and man, I sat through that Redskins game at Lambeau Field this past with my wife, and we, we left the stadium where, like, that was the most boring Packers game I've ever been to. It, it just it was, yeah. this was a snoozer for three and a half quarters. They scored 14 points in the first two and a half drives or whatever, and then combined the team scored 12 points after that. I don't understand what's going on with the Packers' offense. I think Lazard, we've seen him be a threat against bad teams. Can he be a threat against a good defense? I think the Bears are at least average, and it's going to be interesting to see Devontae Adams. You have to imagine we'll get back to his uh, receiving ways in a matchup they need to have him involved in. But can they have Adams and Aaron Jones do something? That's going to be the key. And I think it's going to be the key for the postseason, postseason success for the Packers, too, because very clearly there isn't a wide receiver 2, 3, 4, or 5 on that depth chart that could be consistent and do something of relevance on a, on a weekly basis. I know what you're really scared of. I, I know Rodgers has the big, uh, hasn't thrown interception streak, but you're scared of uh, ha-ha Clinton Dix pick six to win the game. I know. <laughs> I don't it. even, it's not going to be a pick six. I mean, Amos got the revenge game pick uh, yep. one in that Bears match. Exactly. So we're, we're overdue for Clinton Dix doing something. My, my biggest concern is who is scoring more than two touchdowns this week for the Bears? Is it David Montgomery? Is it Allen Robinson? Or is it a third-string tight end for the Bears? you've never heard of, because those three options feel like they are almost automatic. At the very least, Allen Robinson and uh, David Montgomery are scoring a touchdown. I'm just worried about the two touchdowns they're going to score. This is going to be a close game. The spread is only four and a half for the Packers. I would almost be willing to take the Bears side of that, because I'm, I'm very concerned that it's going to come down to a missed field goal, and that's the only reason why the Packers escape the victory at Lambeau. And I guess so the Bears, if you have to start a Bears receiver, like if you do have Allen Robinson, maybe you picked up Anthony Miller. I, I don't know, but you've, you've, Robinson's still the guy to go to, isn't he? Oh, Robinson's a top By 10 far. play this week. Yeah. I mean, we just saw this past week what junk time production can do. Terry McLaurin was completely shut down. He did absolutely nothing for uh, 58 minutes of the game. Yep. A final drive with the Redskins down two touchdowns ends up making Terry McLaurin a top 20 receiver overall, and of course, it took a pretty miraculous catch. Now, what happens when Allen Robinson is one of the biggest focal points of the offense and going against more than likely Kevin, or I'm sorry, against Kevin King? I think he's going to do pretty well. I actually feel okay about Anthony Miller in the PPR League too as a wide receiver three or flex. If you're trying to make up for the Kelvin Ridley's, Mike Evans of the world that were lost to injury, Miller's going to do fine. I don't think he's scoring a touchdown, but I do think he's going to get you five and 75, which is good enough for a wide receiver three. All right, we'll get on to the big weekly matchups here in the playoffs. Uh, running back, uh, who are some of the guys you really like this week? Yeah, I'm not going to tout Aaron Jones, but I do think <laughs> he'll do fine enough. I do think this is a Derrick Henry week. and yeah, I mean, you're like, oh, Joe, well, it's been Derrick Henry week for the last month. Yes. yes, you're right. What I mean is it's going to be Derrick Henry number one scoring running back overall this week against the Texans. I get it. He had an injury this past week, so he only got 120-plus yards and two touchdowns. Ryan Tannehill's been great, and I think he's Probably is going to sneak in as a quarterback recommendation for myself. But this is a, going to be a high-scoring game. Vegas has this as the highest over 150 points. I think it's very clearly possible that both teams could score more than that, or I guess not more than 50 combined. But I think they're going to go over on this total, and I think Derrick Henry is going to be a big part. This is a huge divisional matchup, and 
if you are at all somebody that derives fantasy value from narrative-based results, I think Derrick Henry has to come up huge. Christian McCaffrey, uh, Chris Carson, Devin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, all guys you like, but I think Henry outscores every one of them. He's going to be the top option for me this weekend. I'm in on DeAndre Washington. So long as Josh Jacobs is out, and again, a separate shoulder when the Raiders have nothing to play for, Jacobs is a pretty big bright spot for that offense. I don't know why they would risk his injury. So Washington steps in as the number one guy against the Jacksonville defense that has been mind-numbingly frustrating. Again, Ronald Jones, I was on two weeks ago. He does nothing because he missed one block. Well, now Austin Eckler explodes for 180 yards, and Melvin Gordon does nothing. Uh, they take him out in the third quarter. I think this will be a closer and competitive game. Washington gets 100-plus total yards and at least a touchdown. I think he's going to be top 15 option at the running back spot. And at uh, wide receivers this week, who do you like? I like Zach Pascal uh, as a top 20 wide receiver that could be available. We did the podcast Tuesday, and I was stunned to see that he was still available in 70% of Yahoo leagues. Like, if he's out there, especially with T.Y. Hilton out, uh, Paris Campbell placed an IR, Devin Funches not coming back, Eric Ebron also on IR, there's literally only Zach Pascal and Jack Doyle that can do anything catching the ball. Like, Naheem Hines might have to be your wide receiver, too, and he's a running back behind Marlon Mack and the rest of that uh, running back by committee that they really have been operating with. I know Mack is healthy now, so it's less of a committee, but get the idea. I think it's got to be Pascal, but even if he doesn't score a touchdown, is getting you five, six, seven catches, and the Colts still have a little bit to play for. This is also a Monday night game, and, and I liked it this past week having went. I knew I had to get a ton of points, but mm-hmm. at least it felt a little bit more possible. If you're sitting on you know, your game on Monday night and you only need 15 for Pascal, you have to feel pretty happy about your production or you have a chance to win. And it just makes a bit of a difference morale-wise than anything else. So I like him quite a bit this week. And, of course, A.J. Brown is going to be the top pickup. And I think he, along with Pascal, can both be top 20 options for the fantasy spot. I get it. It's a little bit risky to trust Ryan Tannehill in the fantasy playoffs, but the Titans' offense is humming right now. There might not be a more hot offensive team than the Titans at this point. And A.J. Brown is a beast of a wide receiver. I mean, he's what D.K. Metcalf we thought he could be this season. Metcalf has been fantastic, but Brown's even been better over these past three or four weeks. So give me A.J. Brown and Pascal as uh, guys that I think are going to be higher performance than you might anticipate. While we're on it, wide receivers, you got to bring them up, Beckham again. Um, you know, the chirping again out of Cleveland, he wants out. And at the trade deadline, there was this report that said, yeah, what was it, Patriots, uh, some other team, come get me. He, I mean, this is... I don't know if it's Freddie Kitchens or if it's Beckham or what, but this, it it's not working. And yeah, and this is a top talent. This is a guy who can put up some huge points. And again, think about that. He's on your bench most likely this week because you can't trust the guy. No, oh, yeah, he's he's. I mean, he burned me. If I would have made it with Beckham on my roster and two of my playoff leagues, he most certainly would have been benched this past week. Injuries. The trade rumors, the Browns' just general dysfunction. Like, Freddie Kitchens as a head coach is one of the worst decisions we've seen by any NFL yeah. franchise this entire year. Like I, the Browns had playoff aspirations, if not Super Bowl aspirations. They're obviously not going to achieve those, but just to, be them so, just to see them so dysfunctional with all the skill position players they have, and I believe Baker Mayfield is a very good quarterback. He hasn't shown it at all this year. They have two incredibly talented running backs, two incredibly talented wide receivers, and yet they've just been middle of the pack in the mm-hmm. AFC, which really has been dominated by one team, the Ravens, the Patriots, have been falling off lately. It's, it's been disgusting to watch if you're a Cleveland Browns fan or a fantasy owner of the team. I, I, I can't reasonably suggest Odell Beckham anymore, and I feel like I was 
the last guy of the fantasy analysis for the last three weeks. I was like, yeah, keep on using Odell. Yeah. I'm, I'm out. I'm done. And I think if you have made it this far with Odell Beckham, kudos to you, but you can just let him ride on the bench one more week. And it's so tempting, too, if you're playing daily because that price is so low and you're like, boy, I can get stacked receivers. I can get three great ones, but then that you know that price is justified because he ain't putting any production up. No, and he's just been injured, and, and Baker Mayfield has been clearly using Jarvis Landry's number one receiver. Like, if you wanted to use a DFS stack in tournaments only that would have Baker, Jarvis, and Odell, I get it, but you're actually probably on the, the low risk, or you're on the high risk yeah. side of that, which is weird to say. Like, I think I'd almost rather have an Odell, Kareem Hunt, and Jarvis Landry DFS yeah, yeah, stack. Yeah. And I'm sorry, yeah, a Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt stack, and leave Odell out because at this point, you cannot rely on him, and it's been very frustrating to see a speed that was pretty high in him entering this year. It was a first-round pick in a lot of leagues where I was drafting that late first round, and he has not been able to return value at all. All right, so quarterback matchups this week. Who are you liking? Yeah, I talked about A.J. Brown. I think Ryan Tannehill has, Ryan Tannehill has been in the conversation. There's at least a, a QB 12 or QB 14 if you are in two QB leagues or if you're streaming the quarterback spot. I, I think you have to go that direction, obviously. Uh, in a pretty important match against the, the Houston defense, too, that's been kind of a sieve. Like, we just saw Drew Locke. Yes. Drew Locke, of yes. all people, completely terrorized him. Like, I was at the Packers game, and I was stunned to see the scoreboard with the Saints and 49ers both scoring 30, and it felt like the first half. But the crazier thing was for me to see the Broncos up 35 nothing or 10 or whatever it was against the Texans. Come on. Like, in Drew Houston. Locke did this. Yeah. The, the Texans just beat the Patriots the week before. What's happening? So, I think it's very clear Tannehoff's in that conversation. Ryan Fitzpatrick, too, going to be starting against go. the Giants this week. I think he sneaks in that conversation as a QB 10 or 11. And, again, if you're streaming, this might not be a better time all season to be streaming the quarterback spot. There's only four or six teams left that are even looking at quarterbacks. More than likely, one of them has the, uh, Lamar Jackson. Another might have Deshaun Watson. You have your pick of the litter, and I, I think uh, Fitzpatrick or Tannehill can really work in the QB streaming this week. And I full-heartedly believe in you. Yes, folks, it is 2019, and Ryan Tannenhill and Ryan Fitzpatrick are very <laughs> good plays in the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, uh, Ryan Squared for, for the quarterback yes. streamers out there is going to be someone that you probably see on Twitter quite a bit, just like we see the, the Smith Squared brothers for the Packers. Yes. I think Ryan Squared, from a fantasy quarterback perspective, could catch on. Any tight end matchups you like this week? Any that are exactly, active. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, Darren Waller's fallen off the face of the earth, so I mean, I, I have him, so I've got to rely on him. But man, it's it's rough out there if you've got to pick up a tight end this week. Yeah, and I should have mentioned Isaiah Ford as a wide receiver two for the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. That I think makes some sense if um, Devontae Parker is out. If Parker is active, Mike Jasicki ends up being a guy that again is kind of waffling around that tight end two range to use or, or low end tight end one. I think Dallas Goddard, especially with all the wide receiver weapons the Eagles are missing, and it seems like Jeff, oh, I think Jeffrey has been ruled for the rest of the year, or at least for this rest of the season. Yeah. I don't know who else they can throw to besides Ertz, Goddard, and Miles and Sanders. Or, you yeah. know, like, yeah. or uh, Artega Whiteside. Like, Greg Ward, I, I would not feel great about him as a wide receiver option. And they're going against the Redskins. We, we know that the Eagles have to move the ball. I think Miles Sanders becomes that uh, conversation too, but Goddard is a top 10 option as well with Ertz even being probably tight end two or three overall. And defenses this week. We know you're off Philly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't do yeah. it again. I, I've had too many disappointments with, disappointments with Philly. It's, 
it's weird. This is a great week if you're streaming defenses. I guess you could talk me into the Buccaneers against the Lions. Like, I don't know what okay. quarterback starting for the Lions. Uh, and and you could honestly start me or talk me into the Lions defense against Jameis Winston. Yes, too. you could. We don't know how many interceptions. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. I, I think that's your top streaming duo, and they're both in the same game. And I, if you were like, hey, I need a defense, Lions are the only one available, I'm like, all right, you know, like, why not? There's always the potential for Winston throwing a pick six, but he's at least good for two or three picks in a sack or two, which yes. is six or eight points in the position. Yeah, that's a fantastic point, too. And, yeah, if you do get, you know, for shutouts, and what if you're on that scoring system where it's like 20, 15, 10, 15, you know, whatever, the point uh, as a score up, don't bank on that because they're going to they're gonna score points. But if, you know, for the turnovers, at least you can bank on whatever your interception rate is. And like you said, a pick six, you could get double-digit scoring from Detroit defense this week. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Jerry Dottabini does the, the rankings for the defense every week. Ravens, Patriots, Saints, Seahawks. Steelers are your top five. I have to imagine every single one of them has been picked up. Yes. Kansas City's number six going against Drew Locke. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't like, know we anymore. Just saw, yeah. we, we just saw Locke tear apart the Texas yeah. defense. Yeah. Do you really want to test that with the Chiefs who have been getting healthier in the pass rush but still haven't done a lot turnover-wise? I'll take the Buccaneers and I'll take the Lions over both those ones. And once again, you did a great job with the uh, Tuesday podcast to saw out that, uh, you know, any one of those waiver wire questions, you know, maybe there's still some guys out there. You've got some uh, good selections out there that people could still listen to. Yeah, the, that was one of my favorite podcasts because both of us had some bad luck in the fantasy playoffs. So as a result, we went off the rails pretty clearly. I won my board bet, shockingly, with yes. Jeremy Sprinkle, who got zero catches and zero targets. But because I spotted myself two and a half points over Darren Fells, the Texans tight end, I actually was able to win. I got myself a Culver Sunday. That's the type of product and production you're going to be hearing for yes. on that Tuesday podcast. The worst, most meaningless board bets you can have on, out there. Yeah, we got you covered on Tuesday. That is sweet. So, yeah, anything <laughs> you want to bet, even if you're out of the playoffs, listen to that. You can get some good nuggets and bet some, some of those great bets. <laughs> yeah, and we'll be going over um, some of the fancy like, studs and, and disappointments as we round out the uh, round up the fantasy playoffs, obviously, again, for most of the listeners out there, you have probably lost or you're, you're not, you know, in the championship. So yeah. having some other content and just some fun fantasy talk is really what these next two or three weeks should be covered for, uh, at least on our end of the bargain. On Mondays, of course, uh, Chris Bliss and Jeff Erickson, two of the industry experts, are breaking down all the the results that occurred on Sunday and Monday, and then we have uh, Mario Puig and John McKechnie going over things on Thursday, getting you set for the week. And, of course, Friday DFS conversation as well. So it's a really great podcast network, of course. And I love to talk it up because I feel like I'm carried by the rest of my, uh, rest of my um, coworkers in that regards. But, uh, yeah, we'll have some fun for the rest of the season on these Tuesday editions. Well, Joe, again, thanks for your time this week. And, uh, well, I guess no luck for you this week. But everyone else, best of luck, right? Yeah, best of luck. <laughs> and hopefully we can uh, help somebody else win some money if we can't do it ourselves. Exactly. Well, again, thanks, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, sounds great. Subscribe to the Fantasy Football Zone and give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Follow us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Football Zone podcast.